0: What do you know about nutrition for Brazilian jiu-jitsu and are the weight cutting strategies similar to wrestling or some of the other martial arts? You're in the right spot. If any of this is in your curiosity line, in fact, even if you don't know what jiu-jitsu is, you want to stay tuned for this episode. Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Dina Griffin, and my awesome co-host, Bob Sibahar. We're both registered dietitians and board certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We're here to translate nutrition and sports science research to real life and give you some awesome interviews with a variety of experts and athletes so that you can enhance your own knowledge to optimize your health, fitness, and athletic performance. So excited for today's episode. We have returning guest, Dr. Shannon O'Grady on the show to talk about the sport of jujitsu. Now, if you don't know Shannon, she is a competitive Jiu jitsu hobbyist, as well, and even has her brown belt. But she is sharing with us so many foundational aspects of the sport of jiu jitsu, including weight cutting, training, nutrition, nutrient timing. So much great insight from her, uh, from her own personal experience competing in the sport for several years. And Shannon is the chief product officer over at Gnarly Nutrition. So we had her on previously in episode 85 to talk about nutrition for climbing or climbers. Today we're talking jujitsu because she has not only professional knowledge, but also extensive personal knowledge of the sport. It's super fascinating. I learned so much. I know you will too. And so we're so glad that you joined us for this episode Real quick before we get to the show, I know it's like holiday season and everything. If you're feeling like you would like to support this show, you can do that in a couple ways. One is giving a five star rating over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, the other way is making a donation to our podcast to help support our business operations. And so you can do that easily by going to our website, InsideSportsNutrition.com. You'll see a link to support the pod and you can make a donation there. And all of that does go directly to the costs and operational fees to publish the pod and put it out there to the world. All right, let's get to episode 108 with Dr. Shannon O'Grady talking all things jujitsu. All right, Dr. Shannon O'Grady, we are so delighted to have you as a returning guest. You joined us back in July of 2023, talking a lot about climbing and nutrition for climbing. And now we are switching gears a bit to talk about a totally different sport. But welcome to our show. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, at the end of our last conversation, we had talked about maybe coming back and discussing jiu-jitsu. So I'm really excited to, to be back here.
0: Jiu-jitsu. Yes. I know <laughs> it's one of many sports that you personally participate in. And so we're going to get into that as well. But I wondered just because um, this may be a sport or part of, you know, mixed martial arts, set of sports that some of our listeners are not familiar with. And, you know, I'll admit that I still have a bunch to learn as well. So I wondered if you could kind of set some stage here for us in terms of some basics with regard to jujitsu and maybe explain, and you could go higher level if you want, like, what is this kind of sport, the types of jujitsu or the um, fighting types, anywhere you want to go with that to to help us understand?
1: Sure. So most of the jujitsu that's practiced in the U.S. or people might be familiar with is Brazilian jujitsu. So there's definitely a Japanese influence heavily drawn on from from judo, which is uh, I'm trying to make sure I don't use other terms that people might not be familiar with. But judo is really a martial art that um, is focused on throws. Um, and so like getting your opponent to the ground. And so a lot of the movement that you would see with judo, some of it carries over to jujitsu, but Brazilian jujitsu is really um, about uh, grappling. It's closer to what we think of when we think of wrestling, uh, when you're trying to get dominant positions um, on your opponent and you're trying to get them to to tap or submit via... um, Chokes or joint locks. So a joint lock can be an armbar um, or an arm lock, a foot lock, anything um, that's focused on a joint where you're essentially controlling both ends of the joint and then applying pressure at the joint um, in hopes of, get, of getting a pain response. If you you know, and in the highest levels, sometimes when people don't tap because they think they can get out of it, then you do see the the joint explode. But in, in hobbyist jiu-jitsu, which is what I practice, that that doesn't happen uh, as as often as you you see it at the highest levels. Um, but essentially it's it's wrestling, um, trying to get your opponent to tap. I'd say the one major difference if if listeners are familiar with wrestling, in wrestling, it's you don't want to be put on your back um, because that's how points are achieved. Um, in jiu-jitsu, you can actually be very aggressive from your back. Um so there's no problem with, uh, you know, that you can be dominant and attack while on your back. Um, you don't lose points for being put on your back. So um, if you're doing a, a tournament where points are given, you get points for for positions of dominance, but you don't lose points um, for, for being on your back like you would in wrestling.
0: And does that scoring system apply like Bridget- Brazilian to the other forms or is it different scoring system if that question made sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Um so I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. Uh so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu there are different uh competition formats. Okay. Um and that might differ what might differ between those is how you how you win. So there are the IBJJF which is the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation runs a lot of the um kind of more known in the community tournaments. And those are point driven um, competitions where you do get points for dominant positions. You can win by points. You can also win by submitting your opponent. There are also submission only tournaments, which are tournaments where um, there are no points, where the only way you can win is by submitting your opponent. Um, and then there's sometimes mixed versions of that where maybe there are no no points for the first five minutes of the match. And then let's say at minute five, then all of a sudden points go into play. Um, and you can also win by submission, but they're they're keeping that point system towards the end of the match in order to try to get uh, the people competing to go for submissions to be a little bit more aggressive because sometimes in tournaments that are very heavily point-based, you see people playing that as opposed to to taking riskier um, strategies in order to try to submit their opponent.
0: Thank you for walking us through some of that. How, so I guess, and even if you want to talk to how you phrase that hobbyist um, jujitsu, but how's the training? Maybe you could touch on like getting into that sport either from your side or just in general like what does that kind of training entail to to be this particular kind of athlete and any kind of complementary training just before we delve into some nutrition related areas there I was curious
1: yeah so I mean there are individuals that have been doing this sport since they were three years old a hundred percent in um, kids jujitsu is growing. Um, It's a great sport for kids to get into. Um, I think all martial arts are great, not just in terms of uh, the movement itself, but um, it's great for self-defense. It's great for building confidence. It's great for discipline. It's great for perseverance. Um, I mean, all of those are true for adults as well, but exposing kids to to stimulus like that when they're young um, is a good thing. Both my kids um, are in jujitsu as well. I've been most inspired when I've seen them like really fight out of tough situations and not give up. And in martial arts, I think there's a lot of failure often before you find success. And I think that's also a really good uh, lesson um, for kids and adults. So some people have been training their whole life, or maybe they come to it from a wrestling background. I didn't find jujitsu until I was 38, so much later in life. And um, I was exposed to it. A few people mentioning mentioning the sport and was slightly interested in it. And I got exposed to it through a team training event um, from Gnarly Nutrition. And so uh, we would do these team bonding events and we happened to do one at a nearby jujitsu gym. And I was immediately intrigued. Jujitsu is a lot like uh, chess with your your body, although there's a lot of strategy, you know, almost as the game of chess, because every opponent could present you with five different games or offenses that you have to try to answer Um, but then between opponents also what they might present you with the problem they might present you with is different so you have to be constantly like thinking through how to adapt your game in order to um, best uh, both defend against your opponent but also go on the offense against them Um, so there's a lot of strategy involved it's very interesting Um, but to get back to your original question, um, because of that, there's a lot of drilling, there's a lot of technique. Um, and so, a lot of the training in Jiu Jitsu is um, getting familiar with the movements, which are really based on leverage and angles. And that's why Jiu Jitsu is such a great martial arts for self defense, because um, by using uh, leverage and maximizing angles, often smaller opponents. Can do well and potentially uh, beat larger opponents. So, particularly for women, that can be an important thing to pay attention to in a self-defense scenario. Also, majority of fights end up on the ground, and so knowing how to handle yourself on the ground, how to get out of situations, how to get back to standing, um, and so you can exit the situation as quickly and as, as possible. These are all kind of basics baseline uh, movements that you're taught for jujitsu that transfer really well to a self-defense scenario. So there's a lot of drilling involved. So you get used to that movement because it's definitely not intuitive. At least it wasn't intuitive for me. Um, And then often either parts of the classes or classes in and of themselves are just sparring um, classes where you're doing rounds with um, different opponents Um, I think most gyms should be really good about figuring out comfort levels. So, you know, are you new? Do you feel comfortable only rolling with women? Do you feel comfortable rolling with men? You know, we need to match you with people that are your ability or if they're a higher ability, know how to roll um, with those that, uh, you know, who have less experience, um, taking into account size and making sure that you're rolling with someone that is close to your size, or you know how to roll with people of different body sizes. So black belts should be paying attention to all those things in order to make sure that, um, and when I say black belts, that's who runs the gym, in order to make sure that somebody's training experience is, is a good one. But it definitely feels like jumping into the deep end um, when you start, because there's so many new things in terms of how you move in terms of fighting another individual. <laughs> and I think one thing that's probably the hardest thing for people to grasp is, is where to build efficiencies in that movement instead of going like nutso the whole time.
2: It can get kind of crazy, can it with, with all that? Cause you just feel sometimes out of control.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think initially it can definitely get kind of crazy. Um, And I hear that I roll with a lot of, a lot of um, lower belt females and, and try to work with them uh, in our gym, you know, both because I'm one of the upper belt females and also just because, you know, it's, it's great to be able to train with other women. And I think that's the biggest thing that is hard for people to, to figure out is because there's definitely, even though it's a controlled situation, it's not actually a fight, there's Mm -hmm. this fight or flight type response that that makes you want to move erratically and go nuts. Um, but often, especially if you're fighting someone that has more experience, they're going to use that against you because, um, if they, if all of your energy is moving in one direction, it's very easy to just then move out of the way and allow Mm -hmm. them to go continue going in that direction. And then, you know, change your angle and come up from behind and be in a, you know, a dominant situation. And so for that reason, and also because often these matches, you know, last five to 10 minutes, you don't want to lose or use all of the energy you have initially, um, and then die a slow, painful death. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I like what you said. It's like chess for the body, right? So there's so much, just mental cognitive, um, just planning. And it is, is like, like chess moves. And Dina, I'm going to throw this one at you because I don't think even, you know, this, but in my youth, I actually grew up in doing some martial arts and not jujitsu or wrestling, but a, a different type of martial art. And so I, I know like the, the motivation, but I also know a little bit about some of that training, not too familiar with the jujitsu outside of wrestling. But here's a question for you, Shannon. Dina and I are newbies. We walk into this jujitsu gym and there's Shannon. And we're like, oh, hey, Shannon, this is, this is the first time we've ever stepped in here. We have no idea what to do. So trying to get it to our listeners who, who are like, you know what? I've got a friend who does jujitsu and he or she keep asking me to go. Like, what would Dina and I expect? We walk in hand to hand in this jujitsu gym, you're there. What's next? Like, what do we do? What do what can our listeners expect if they want to try this?
1: Sure. I think it's good to, to also cover. So there are two different forms, not forms of jujitsu, but variations based on outfits. to, to
2: make mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> there's gi jujitsu where you're wearing like a traditional kimono and you have, um, you know, belts when people think of like what you would wear for karate, it's similar to that where you have belts right. of different colors. Um, there's for adult jujitsu, it's white, blue, purple, Brown, and black. Um, and it can take anywhere from like 10 to, you know, Twenty plus years to get your black belt. It's it's not wow. a short process. Um, in in other martial arts, it can be much faster. Then there's no gi jiu jitsu, which is w- w- closer to wrestling, um, mm. and I'll talk about that why in a minute. Um, and there are gyms. The reason why I'm saying this is there are gyms that are exclusively no gi or gyms that really practice more gi jitsu. So it's good to know which gym you're going to and what you're going to be exposed to. So in no gi jitsu, you wear shorts and, and like a rash guard, or some people just wear a t-shirt. Um, and the difference is that in gi jujitsu, you're, you can use like the sleeve and the collar or the lapel or the pant. You can grab that fabric. Um, and use it to your advantage there's also a lot more friction in in the movement so although it can be fast it it tends to be slower than nogi jiu-jitsu um in nogi jiu-jitsu you're using grips that are what you'd find more in wrestling so collar ties which is when you have your hand behind the neck or you're grabbing a wrist or grabbing an ankle you can't grab the the clothing so that's one good good thing to know um Mm -hmm. When you enter a gym, you know you cannot wear shoes on the mat, so that's a big thing. Um, you, it it very a good gym is is very focused on kind of the cleanliness cleanliness of the mat the cleanliness of the competitors because we're all sweating all over each other right yeah. so you've got to be you've got to be comfortable with that um, with the idea that you're going that you're wrestling like kids wrestle yeah. that's why one of the reasons why it's so fun and I think you see these strong bonds between people that do jujitsu. Um, so you line up according to, to experience or belt level, you bow in similar to other martial arts, respect for the space that you're in, respect for the people that you're competing with respect for your instructor is all huge. Um, and then, uh, beginning you would, you know, I'd look for a fundamentals class, which is going to teach some of those baseline movements, even how to fall correctly. So you don't, get hurt, how to stand up without showing someone your back. And I think that's a good way to start as well as understanding like basic concepts of jujitsu, like what is a guard, why you're trying to pass the guard um, and getting familiarity with those things because they, you know, are what kind of your jujitsu skill builds upon. So looking for a fundamentals class, Um, that's really focused on introducing beginners, uh, is, is what I would
2: recommend. Perfect. that's awesome. So that, that actually clears up some of my questions, which is good. So now let's take it to the next step. Dina and I, you know, we're, we're not grappling each other. We're not, you know, she's, she's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. we're like, after the class, we're like, wow, we really need to sign up. Like we're digging this. This is so awesome. You know, we're these geek endurance athletes, but we're loving this, this grappling and everything. And, you know, we're kind of competitive, Shannon. So then we say, hey, Shannon, we want to compete. So talk us through, like, what is what is going on? What's our our trajectory here? Because I know there are weight classes in competition. Like, what, what happens now? Like, do we need to get to a certain weight class? Like, what do we need to be thinking about if we want to compete now?
1: Sure. Um, so one, you should be practicing, especially uh, entering it at an older age. I d- definitely recommend, like, you wanna be practicing for at least six months. I did my first competition four months after training. That might've been a little bit early, but you can compete as a white belt a hundred percent. But like everything, you wanna be prepared um, and you need to know a lot of kind of those fundamental movements in order Mm -hmm. to be prepared. There are local tournaments in all the major cities, um, which are a great way to introduce competing. Um, there are also, I mentioned IBJJF, right? So those th- that's where you have Worlds and World Masters and Euros and PANS. Those are larger tournaments where you're you know looking at thousands of competitors. Those tournaments have Gi and No Gi divisions. Um, and then within those divisions, you have age groups um, that mm-hmm. are typically, it depends, but you know, five to 10 year increments. And then, so I should also say the ability level is kind of that top umbrella. So if you're a white belt, which you you and Dina just started, so mm-hmm. you would be competing against other white belts and then you would be competing against other people in your age group, hopefully if enough enough signed up. Um, and then under those age groups are, are weight divisions. Um, so most weight divisions are about 10 uh, pound increments And this is where, you know, the idea of weight cutting, um, comes in and it really depends. I would say to start competing, you don't want to cut weight. (laughs) You want to go into your tournament, fully fueled, fully hydrated. Um, I think get an idea of what you're dealing with here, because, uh, I think the biggest thing. Or the the hardest thing for people to handle when they go into to a tournament for the first time is the adrenaline rush of fighting another person with a group of people watching. <laughs> <It's>
0: really, <laughs> oh my god! It
1: is a really weird feeling. Yeah, and, yeah. and often, um, you know, you will have it. It often these tournaments can be single elimination, so if you lose, you're mm-hmm. out. Sometimes it will be round robin, so you get multiple matches. Um, but you definitely get an adrenaline dump um, with your first match. Most people do kind of feel like you're going to throw up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Your stu- you know, your stomach's mm-hmm. uneasy, nerves, and you have to, you know, you usually have 15 to 20 minutes until your next match, so you have time to recover. Um, but getting over that feeling is crazy. So your first tournament, you don't want to mix in weight cutting and potentially not being fueled or hydrated properly to perform your best with that, you know, the impact of those nerves, um, together. So I would say for your first tournament, we're just going to go in at what your walking weight is and get experience. Mm -hmm. Um, if you like that and you want to sign up for more, then we can talk more, you know, about weight cutting and how much weight you cut and what weight class you should be in really should be determined about when your weigh-in is and how close that weigh-in um, is to your actual match um, and that can vary greatly so in IBJJF tournaments which I mentioned um, are, are those bigger tournaments right you only have maybe 30 to 40 minutes between when you weigh in and when your first match is and so oh, no kidding. so they do yeah. it the
2: day of the morning oh of. it's the yeah. day of
1: yeah and wow. so that okay that vastly, that has a huge impact on, huge. Uh, yeah, it's, it's huge on some of the measures that people use to acutely cut weight are going to have a, a detrimental impact on your performance. So you would not want to cut water, cut carbohydrates, you know, and because 30 minutes is not going to be enough time to rehydrate or refuel before you have to get out and, end. Not potentially just have one match, but maybe have five um, in relatively close succession. But on some tournaments where the weigh-in is a day before, or you know, you don't normally see it for jujitsu, but in the case of MMA, where it could be even over 24 hours, that's when cutting more weight and using some of these uh strategies like cutting carbs. You know, using uh, water cutting like sauna or a hot bath, mm-hmm. um, because you have the time to rehydrate and refuel, that makes it you know way more manageable to to cut more
2: pounds. Yeah, with this, it seems like you're like you're saying, like the the weight class increments are about ten pounds. It sounds like you know at least Dina and I, you know, non non experts in this and newbies would be just like you said, like we'd be close, probably within what maybe a pound or two of of our of our initial like fighting weight, if you will, competition weight, but not stressing about that too much because that is, I didn't know the weigh-in was that soon um, before competition. So that That just unleashes a whole nother set of questions, but regarding the weigh-ins, but okay. So what if, but what if, what if we kind of progress and, you know, we've been doing this for years now, like you have like, talk, talk us through, like, do you personally, do you weight cut before your competitions? And can we kind of get into maybe some safer weight cutting strategies that, that people can use if they are thinking about doing this?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I started, I mean, I'm eating at white belt, I've been practicing for eight years. I'm a Brown belt now.
2: Wow, that's impressive. So yeah, you're just amazing. maybe what, 10, 10, 10 more years and you're a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it could be. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I became obsessed. I train like, you know, six to seven days a week. Like it, like all of us, you know, who are very interested in sport, right. you find your thing and you you go 110% into it. But um, when I started, you know, I was influenced by, the upper belts around me and everybody was cutting weight. And so um, Mm. it was more of like, okay, I'm, I fall into kind of the gray area between two weight classes where, you know, I'm naturally a lightweight, um, but I'm at the bottom of the lightweight Mm. division. So once again, they're, they're like eight to 10 pound increments. Um, And so if I cut three to five pounds, Um, I could be at the top of the featherweight division, Mm -hmm. right? And you always want to be the bigger monkey. And that's where the idea of weight cutting comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started kind of competing in jujitsu, cutting to the featherweight division so I could be the bigger monkey. Mm -hmm. And I did okay. I had some success at local tournaments. Some local tournaments will allow you to weigh in the night before, um, so they'll have a weigh in the night before and the morning of. And so if you can weigh in the night before, then you have a little bit more time um, to rehydrate or or refuel if you're employing methods um, like that. we'll talk about that in a minute. But and the IBJjF tournaments and tournaments where uh, I was competing so close to the weigh-in, I would do I would win my first match and then um, tournament after tournament after tournament, I would lose my second match. Like, mm-hmm. I would just kind of feel my energy levels drop. Mm-hmm. And um, so, Master Worlds is p- kind of the biggest tournament for us old folk um, that IBJJF runs. It's every year. And I had gone, I was a blue belt and I had lost that second match two years in a row at IBJJF Worlds. And my coach, you know, we were just talking about. In jujitsu they say, and I think they say this in a lot of sports, but I think it's really true in jiu-jitsu, you either win or you learn. You know, there's no losing. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're even getting out there and trying is is a pretty amazing feat. Um, and so we were kind of talking about my matches and talking, and and uh he was like, Well, you know, how about if you just don't weight cut? How about if you just focus on getting strong? Just, you know, And, and I was already lifting weights and stuff, and he was like, but just like. All that energy you were you were spending thinking about how to lose those pounds and spend it more on focusing on strength, focusing on technique, focusing on being fueled. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, that's that's kind of what I do for other people. So that made a ton of sense to me. Yeah. And so I did that for that next year until the world came around again, and um I won all four of my matches. Not one of my opponents scored a single point on me on me and i won gold you know at master worlds oh. and since that uh kind of epiphany or advice i have had way more success mm-hmm. uh competing than i had previously and part of that is is also i think like finding my stride and finding what works for me but um you know i've won worlds at at blue belt i won worlds no gi worlds at purple belt and i just won worlds at brown belt um this past year so nice. um, and then I've had a lot of success at smaller tournaments at well, as well, against bigger opponents that had like 40 to 50 pounds on me. And re- so really for me, going in, knowing that I'm fueled and hydrated and can really execute on all the hard work that I put into the training because I, you know, nutritionally am, am ready. That makes the difference. And whether, you know, I think it has an impact on performance, but it also has an impact on my mindset. Um, And, and I think that there's a lot of power in that.
2: Yeah, totally. So I'm hearing as you were the smaller, stronger monkey, right? (laughs) But I think there's a lot to it because because you are confident in yourself. And that's like there I think there's so many great messages there. Like maybe you don't have to weight cut maybe like, you know, and I've I've worked with wrestlers before and it is it's always the kind of the chasing the scale kind of thing to be the bar the bigger monkey. And I love what you said, where you just kind of backed off and you focused on strength. And I was just wondering, too, one thing you said is like you've beaten compo- or opponents who were larger than you and. I, this is nothing to do with nutrition, but more psychological, like when you're standing across from her, are you like, bring it or are you like, oh, this, this is going to be interesting, right? How, what is, what is your mindset?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have a tournament coming up in a couple of weeks and it, no matter what the opponent, like the size, I'm always curious. I guess, like yeah. people are always like, yeah. oh, are you really excited for Nogi worlds? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm excited. I'm <laughs> curious about what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, that curiosity gets even greater with larger opponents. I'm definitely um, thinking about strategy because that mm. comes in even more so when you're going against someone that's taller and bigger than you because you have to be really aware of Like if they get on top of you, you know, how are you going to get on top of them? How are you going to get, you know, that all comes into play. But yeah, I think a big part of jujitsu is getting comfortable in uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. and not giving up unless like you're uh, at risk of being injured. And through all my training I've gotten pretty good at that. And that's through rolling with larger people in the gym. Um, I regularly train with both men and women of all sizes and, and just getting, you know, more used to rolling with different types of people who have different strategies and um, may be smaller or larger than me. So I think doing that continuously Then when you're up against someone in a competition, and yes, there's a little more pressure, but it's not so new and novel because you've been getting ready for it throughout all of your training.
0: Right. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds sounds like there's many layers to the training, like you said in the beginning, just getting with the drills and technique and that focus, but this component of mental approach or exposures to the different bodies that you might confront and then helping that aspect of your training as well. Uh I wonder Shannon, if we switch gears a little bit to the to the nutrition um you walked us through a little bit of the weight cutting which is really interesting to hear your perspectives and experiences here and successes, I wondered with regard to any kinds of um, daily nutrition elements that you've employed or things that you've seen uh, among other athletes with regard to nutrient timing, maybe that is more in the realm of preparing for the matches or anything related to um, other principles. From that daily nutrition standpoint, could you touch on anything that comes to mind there or important aspects?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would classify a lot of jujitsu as is kind of a power endurance sport. So um it's definitely a mix of aerobic and anaerobic um energy systems, you know, the majority of that being aerobic, but um also you know, bouts of high intensity where um, anaerobic metabolism becomes important, and then also you kind of see the creatine phosphagen system as well when you know you're really going for um fast, powerful movements um, because you are moving somebody else's body, right mm-hmm. um so so there's uh there's a lot of um crossover both in terms of aerobic sports. so it, I think, I, I had been more of a, um, endurance athlete before finding jujitsu. And I think that base baseline of, um, aerobic fitness was helpful. Um, but then there's also a piece to that where power and strength, um, can also come into play. And then, you know, I. I always say like, I'm flexible in really weird jujitsu ways, but, you know, touching my toes is, is going to be difficult sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, so there is a, a piece of flexibility and mobility as well, um, which helps with performance, but also helps with, uh, with injury prevention. So, you know, backing up given that it's aerobic, uh, aerobically driven and anaerobically driven, you know, um, carbohydrates become a really important part of, uh, the fueling and, um, and therefore a really important part of diet. I think nutrient timing specifically around, uh, training that's higher intensity, um, you know, it is similar to what you would see when you're training for a race and you're doing speed work. Um, so it's that you're tapping into that, Higher intensity, faster training, and so you want higher levels of blood glucose, and so you might have simple carbs before a session like that. But then some of those drilling sessions that are um, lower intensity and more about technique, you would not need to do that, you know, in a space in it before a training bout like that. So there is a lot of crossover to general. I think carbohydrate timing principles and fueling principles that your listeners might be more familiar with, with kind of aerobic sports Um, because of that, you know, interplay between strength and power, making sure you have enough protein um, and enough calories in general to, to support that kind of training and, and build that strength is also really important. Um, But I wouldn't say that there's anything, you know, out of the box in terms of your diet, just a good, well-rounded diet that has, um, you know, good whole foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, good um, uh, carbohydrate and, and protein content, um, and that you're hydrating regularly. And then, you know, making sure that you're timing carbohydrates around those high-intensity sessions so that you really have the fuel
2: you need to perform. Shannon, can I ask a quick question? Sorry, Dia Just yeah, this good. just came to me because what you said earlier too, like you know, you step on the mat and even if it's like your first class or training session and you're a newbie and the adrenaline is pumping, you're like, Oh my gosh, it kind of reminds me of like doing your first race or during your first really hard track session or intervals. So I've, I've been chronically plagued with GI distress, my entire endurance athlete career, and I've got it under control, but that got me thinking, Oh, wait a 2nd what if I were like, do you see this like athletes, jujitsu athletes who have really a high incidence of GI distress? I don't know if they do or they don't, but does that change their nutrient timing? Like, do you see them like fast? I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive because you wouldn't want to fast before a a really hard session or competition, but if they have GI distress, I mean, the last thing you're going to want to do is throw up on a mat, right? So what what do you see with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, the adrenaline rush or the adrenaline dump, um, can manifest in different ways for different people. And you, I have seen people throw up on, on the mat. Mm. Um, Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. And I think that's more less to do with, or the way to combat that is less to do with changing nutrient timing and more to do with, Uh, making sure you're appropriately warmed up, that you've gotten your heart rate up into those higher zones before your match. And so you're not Mm -hmm. going from zero to 100, you know, as soon as the ref says combats, which means fight Mm -hmm. in Portuguese, I would recommend that and, and um, really focusing on warming up appropriately rather than changing how you're fueling ahead of that tournament. Um, I will say that similar to you know when I mountain bike raced, or or the morning of a running race, when I'm running to the porta potty like 20 times, yeah. it's the same thing. In jujitsu competition. <laughs> I'm like, oh. You know, I don't even really have to worry that much about my weight because I'm essentially clearing out my GI track ahead of yeah. The <laughs> oh. So so I feel you. I feel you there.
0: Yeah. Okay. What is okay. what is your routine like? And unless it's a secret for your competitors, but do oh, you no. anything you can share like in your prep for, for match day? What?
1: Um, yeah, think? I mean, similarly to it's it, the <laughs> nutrition is very similar to, uh, you know, how I would prep for a, a longer running race. Um, but because they don't start at five or six in the morning, you have a little more time to have a good breakfast, you know? And so, um, you know, two to three hours ahead, I'm trying to get in a breakfast that's high in, you know, complex carbs that has a little bit of protein that's, um, may have a little bit of fat and a little bit of fiber, but not too much to slow digestion. I'm really just trying to get those glycogen, um, stores up after, you know, a a night of sleep. And usually, you know, it depends, but. If you're if you're training in the morning, that meal becomes more, I mean if you're competing in the morning, that meal becomes more important. Sometimes your your competition time could be later in the afternoon and you have more time to eat. Um and and make sure you're properly fueled. Make sure I'm hydrated. Um you know Bob talked about this earlier, but mindset is such a huge piece for me in this because And I think for a lot of people, it is very intimidating. Um, I think performance anxiety, because so many people are watching you like Mm -hmm. surrounding this match, watching you that really finding a mantra. I think that tries to set yourself um, at ease. And for me, that's less of like a visualizing myself on the podium or saying, I'm going to win this match um because everyone that steps on a mat is a formidable opponent and the fact that they've even signed up for this tournament they deserve your respect and with that respect you know you should you should also see them as a threat and so um i never underestimate the people i'm going against i focus more on the idea that um i think i have the skill set to win um that i've worked hard and that i belong there um and Focusing more on that internally and the goal of simply doing jujitsu, good jujitsu, and not the goal of necessarily winning that match works better for me. Yeah, so finding a mantra, usually it's like I have the skill set to win or I belong here. Listening to more relaxing movie music, some people like to listen to loud, crazy music, get themselves amped up. You'll see people like slapping themselves, slapping their legs doing jumps and that i think works for some people for me calming myself and getting into a mode where you know i've heard jiu jitsu uh compared to a dance and um the idea of that and flowing from move to move and um just trying to do beautiful jiu jitsu works better and and com- getting into a calming mindset gets me into that space better than um, anything that's more aggressive, but different things work for different people. Um, but if I'm calm before I I step on that mat, you know, as soon as they say fight, it's different. I'm not like I'm being aggressive. It's I'm not just kind of gingerly, you know, grabbing my opponent, but um, but leading up to it um, with that in mind, as opposed to like killing, thinking about killing <laughs> someone is 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 better. Yeah. I mean, I have friends that take a much different ap- approach. So I, I'm not saying that would work for everyone, but that's what yeah, works for
0: Got it. So interesting. I have caught some of your footage there on your, on your Instagram. It's fun to see. It's definitely, I love too, what you're shining light on the other areas that we as newbies might not think of, like respect for your opponent or this other realm of the competition. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask, uh, are there any unique ergogenic aids that are used in jujitsu or anything along those lines? I think when we had you on before, you mentioned that you personally use creatine. I, I'm thinking that's for many reasons, but are there any unique supplements or anything in that realm that would be worth discussing?
1: I don't think anything unique is... You know, there it's mm-hmm. like most things, there are no magic bullets. You know, yeah. you're I think creatine is the closest we get to a magic bullet, <laughs> particularly mm-hmm. as we age. Um, but yeah, I think just like anything, it's it's time on the mat, experience, and making sure that you're properly fueled and hydrated so you can tap into all of that training. No, no other magic bullets that I would. I would necessarily recommend.
0: No surprise here. What about physiological testing? Anything in that realm that you've done or that, that would be helpful?
1: Um, not really anything I've done. I mean, I, I in my old kind of endurance days, did more physiological testing in terms of VO2 max, um, in terms of trying to figure out my heart rate zones. Um, And I think a lot of that, you know, without having done it more recently lends itself to how I try to focus on training. So making sure that I'm getting some recovery sessions, some low intensity sessions, those tend to be more, um, you know, drilling sessions where I'm focusing on technique, um, building an aerobic baseline. We talked about that that is also important because sometimes these matches can be longer or you have so many matches that um, it, it collectively is a longer, um, effort. So having the knowledge that I gained from being an endurance athlete for so long, I think that translates very well. Um, so making sure I'm recovered, making sure that when I'm doing into higher intensity sessions, that I'm recovering well in between so that I'm focusing on kind of the quality of the, the intensity as opposed to just like killing myself um, (laughs) until I'm completely exhausted. So I wouldn't say any physiological testing that's specific to jujitsu, but because I was aware so so much of it coming from uh, more aerobic sports, it definitely translates well
2: this is, this is an interesting evolution, right? Because we all, you know, grow up doing different activities and and then we get into our early and midlife and and maybe we do other activities. And then later in life, how did you find jujitsu? Like what, I don't, we didn't really ask that because you've been referencing yourself as an endurance athlete so much. Like, because I think a lot of listeners are listening to this, like, wait, she's an endurance, but wait a sec, they they're not putting the two pieces of the puzzle together. Like how did you first even maybe hear, well, you did talk about that, that work, um, bar, that team building, but was that the first one, the first exposure?
1: Yeah, no. So I, um, yeah, I was always kind of a runner, you know, did iron man, did some 50 mile races, did some hundred mile mountain bike races. Like it was yeah. long Sign me up for it. I'm stubborn. And, um, I was very intrigued by kind of the nutrition piece of endurance training. And it was kind Mm -hmm. of a mixture of of those two things that drew me to endurance events. And I was pregnant with my second child and and at the job that I was currently at that I was at at that point. Um, My boss was a black belt in a different martial art. I can't can't remember Mm -hmm. now, but he and I also you know, found commonality in this uh, strength training group that we both followed called Jim Jones, which is is local to Salt Lake City. And we knew some people um, that had gone, had trained with them and kind of loosely knew the trainers and, um, or the the founders of Jim Jones. And so we would talk about that. And Jim Jones really, um, some of the first athletes, so Jim Jones was started by Lisa and Mark Twight, or Lisa Bouchard and or Mark Twight. Uh, Lisa is a martial artist herself. And some of the first athletes that Mark Twight trained were jujitsu athletes. And he went on to train some MMA fighters as well. Um, but that got us started in jujitsu and uh, ta- talking about jujitsu. And he was like, you know what, You're you're like a smaller female, like, it might be a really good thing. Like, I feel like kind of you have the mentality, like, you should check it out. And I was, you know, pregnant, Planning my return to sport. You you definitely like, I was still active during my pregnancy, but dreaming of like what I was going to sign up for or do, um, you know, upon having my child. And was, was, you know, that curiosity was sparked. Um, I then got to meet Lisa Bouchard uh, through some uh, mutual friends. And within like two minutes of meeting me, she was like, You need to do jujitsu. I'm not really sure what that says about my personality, (laughs) but, um, but you know, what was great is that the, at the time, the gnarly nutrition office was very close to one of the best gyms in, um, Salt Lake unified jujitsu, which uh, is run by Johnny Carlquist and James Gardner, which were those first two athletes, jujitsu athletes that Mark Twight trained Um, And so they used to buy gnarly products. um, And we, uh, you know, talked to them about doing this introduction to jujitsu. And I was training for a 50 mile race at the time. And after that class, I was like, you know what, as soon as I'm done with this race in June, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a go. I'm gonna like, run a little bit less. And I'm gonna like, try jujitsu and see what this is all about. Um, And, you know, unlike the advice that I gave you guys at the beginning, you know, the only time I could go to class was in the afternoon and the only class they had in in the afternoon were the advanced classes oh. And um, at the time. And this will be the case for a lot of women if they try it or walk into a gym. It's a it's a male dominated sport. And there was only one woman in the class. She's still a friend of mine to this day. Um, and she is almost six feet tall and I'm five four. And she's also like an Amazon warrior. Like she, she was a white belt as well, but she was like a four-stripe white belt, four-stripe white belt. She had just won worlds, not worlds at master level. She had won adult worlds, which is way more competitive. Um, And so one, like, I was like, I'm sorry, you have to be my partner. But she was so amazing um, she was really great to train with. She was a, a great way, you know, um, for me to to kind of build companionship and friendship in the sport. But um, it was definitely like drinking from a fire hose. And mm-hmm. my coach was always like, you know, you should really go to those fundamental classes. And I'm like, I would if <laughs> I could. But then I I found another gym in that was closer to my arts. It's like a sister gym of Unified under John McCain. He's an amazing instructor. I was le- I was able to get a good baseline of those fundamentals training with him as well. And when Gnarly moved um, offices closer to my house, I ended up switching gyms and training there full time. And I still train at Unified um, occasionally. But yeah, it was really kind of, I was getting little bits of, of exposure to jujitsu from so many places. And then that one class was enough um, to really spark my curiosity.
0: Are there more women in w- where you train now? Have you seen an increase in um, women? Yeah,
1: there's been yeah. there's an increase at, I think across the nation in all gyms. Um, so unified, that gym that I first went to, has a huge women's team now. Um, combat arts, the gym where I train now. Um, I'm the the upper most ranked female, um, but we have a great brown belt as well, a good friend of mine. And, and then we have a, a ton. We have a huge blue belt um, contingent and then another huge white belt contingent. So it's nice. been great to see that women's team build. And I think as that team builds, then more women that come try it feel welcome. There are good partners for them to train with. Um, and so it just you know continues to build upon itself. And um, it's been great seeing women that, I remember when they first started and were like hesitant and scared and didn't know what to do and felt awkward, absolutely kill people in tournaments (laughs) three years (laughs) later, like now they're scaring me. And I'm like, oh gosh, I got to work a lot harder to keep up with them. Um, So to see that the evolution of the gym, but also the evolution of, um, you know, female athletes that I knew when, when they first started has has been amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
0: I'm sure this conversation alone is inspiring other women and, and many other people, Shannon. So I, we really appreciate you touching on some of the fundamentals here. I know there's a lot of passion coming from you. I can see why it's such an interesting sport and feel I can feel it from over here how, how much you love it. So thank you. I'm sure we could talk at least another hour on it. No problem. Yeah. Um. Is there anything, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything though that we haven't covered that you wanted to be sure we mentioned? Or Yeah. Shared?
1: I mean, just really quickly, we didn't kind of cover some of the, you know, quote unquote, safer ways to cut weight that yeah. folks should pay attention to. So we, you know, I talked about carb cutting. We talked about um, a little bit about water cutting. Um, and those are, I think, cutting methods that would have more of a a negative impact on performance. But there are things like consuming a low residue diet. um, So lower fiber um, intake that can help you drop a pound or so. So you're still keeping your carbohydrates up, but maybe you're choosing carbohydrates that are lower in fiber. Um, There is water loading and then water cutting that can also help you lose some weight. And there's cutting sodium in your diet. So these are all things that may not have as great of an impact on your body weight. So maybe you're you're only losing 1% of your body weight. Um, but especially for competitions where the weigh-in is, is, is in such close proximity to the matches, um, if you do need to cut weight, these are things that make way more sense to do because they're not going to have as great of an impact on uh, performance as substantially cutting carbs or su- substantially trying to lose some of your water weight. Um, so I would recommend those things. If you are looking to, to learn more about cutting weight, there's some great, um, books out there. There's a, a book called making weight that just came out, um, by Danny Sullivan or excuse me, Danny Lennon and Jordan Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, that really goes through the science of it and I think does a good job of talking through how to do some of these strategies um, correctly. Um, and I think it's written for people that might be more into the science, but also written for the layman. So it's it's a great book for people to look to. So I would, I would recommend if you're interested in in that aspect of things, that you know, looking into a book by by experts that, that put it in practice. And and those two gentlemen are definitely that.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Dina, we should definitely put that in the show notes for our listeners to, to look at. And, you know, even there are so many similarities, but I love what you brought up in the weight cutting, because even from a psychological standpoint, it helps kind of ease that burden. Cause I know a lot of uh, weight class athletes, especially wrestlers, sometimes they just struggle mentally with that weight cut. So it's such a breath of fresh air for you to mention kind of the, uh, I'm going to say safer ways of doing that, that don't impact the body and the brain as stressfully as as some other methods. So thank you for sharing that for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, Shannon. Well, I, you know, we're going to have to have you back again and I don't even know what topic <laughs> we're going to talk about next time, but we just love chatting with you so much and especially since it's so like you've got such a broad, uh, not only knowledge base, but just experience base. And we appreciate that. So we will have you back for sure. We want to end. If you remember when we had you on last time, we have high five questions, and we're going to ask you some different ones. Which which they're not going to stump you, okay? And this is just a way for our listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. But these are these are fun ones. Um, that we spent a little more time thinking about, knowing that you're a return guest. So if you are ready, we're gonna do these rapid fire questions. Are you, are you ready?
1: I'm getting a little adrenaline dump, but I think so. a little adrenaline.
2: It's, it's like stepping on the mat, right?
0: Hopefully yeah. not as scary though.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first question is: what's the most memorable piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Um, so this was advice from a book that I love. Um, called uh, "The War of Art" by oh, Steven Pressfield. So good. Um, and for me, that book really helped me with my competition mindset. So basically, like, look at the thing that you're afraid of, and go in the direction of that. Okay. I, I think that has has worked wonders for me and in, in
0: helping me prep for
1: competition. Amazing.
0: So good. Question number two, Shannon, if you could not have the job that you have now and you just imagine a wild and crazy career or job what what would that wild and crazy job be
1: um yeah i would love i mean it's building off of the career that i have now but i would love to be like the performance dietitian for the ufc or, or something mm. of that okay after. yeah i the idea of helping helping athletes prepare You know, for their training, but also prepare for their competitions and and kind of seeing that through. Um, especially, you know, camps, fight camps like that are really long. And so it's it's you're seeing them at all different phases of preparation. Mm -hmm. Be really fun. Yeah.
2: Nice. Love it. Okay. So you know how we all have our routines. And I feel like as we get older, we really like our routines, right? What's one thing that you you can and will never delete from your daily routine? Just that one thing. It's it's steadfast. You will never delete it.
1: My first cup of coffee. In the oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes.
2: I, I was mean, wondering I if you try would say to. That. I
1: try not to have too much during the day because uh, <laughs> I'm a light sleeper. So I'm done by ten a.m. But like, have a cup of coffee as soon as I get up usually exercise, either strength train or run. And then my reward is a second cup of coffee when I come home and then I'm done. Okay. For the day. Oh, Nice. <laughs> awesome.
2: Nutrient yeah. timing at its finest. Exactly. Yes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yep. Question number four, if you could have dinner with someone you don't know personally, anyone in the world, who would that person be and why?
1: Oh gosh, that's a really hard one. Mm. Um, you guys have stumped me here. I mean,
2: <laughs> I knew we would on that question, D. I knew yeah. it.
1: <laughs> it is a toughy, though. That's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm i I'm gonna say like something random. I probably would change my answer if I had a little bit more time to <laughs> to think about it. But have you guys? I mean, I'm sure you know who Diana Nyad is. Yeah, you guys mm-hmm. seen oh, the yeah. New yeah. movie on uh, Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I
2: haven't, I haven't seen. It. I've read the book, though.
1: Okay, I haven't read the book. I should read the book, but um, saw the movie, and I guess I didn't know as much about her um, as kind of the movie presented. I knew who she was going into it, and also knew what she had accomplished, and um, and I think that just that story of uh, you know being such a focused athlete for such a long time, and then taking so much time off, and then not just Finding that focus again, but at 60 years old, um, to, to find the focus, the training, the mindset all again to accomplish something that, you know, had eluded many younger swimmers and also the amount of risk, the amount of failure, the perseverance, like that was a, a really inspiring story to me. Um, and yeah, you know, I, w- I would love to sit down and and talk to her more, more about that, about where how she found that motivation and how deep she dug to actually accomplish that goal.
2: Yeah. That kind of goes along with with the mindset and kind of the personality you have as I'm picking up on that during this this little chat for sure. She would be amazing. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shannon, last one. And this can be this could be to any athlete, I'll say, but what's the what what what's one of the Biggest nutritional mistakes you see athletes making. And it doesn't have to be necessarily jujitsu based, but what like what, what is still out there? You're like, oh man, every day you're hearing about this one thing, or it's just driving you crazy, that one mistake.
1: Yeah. I mean, my mistake is more around kind of the, or I think the mistake I'm thinking of is more around uh the baseline nutrition for yeah. athletes. And that's like hopping on diet bandwagons. And as mm-hmm. opposed to going back to what my coach told me a- opposed to thinking about fueling for getting strong and for performance, um, getting so fixated on cutting things out or overemphasizing certain things in the diet. I I think that is a big mistake and it ends up being something that then impacts performance, you know, in the end. Um, so I think a more balanced approach to diet, um, is something that we could all learn from and, and definitely benefit from.
2: Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, it's, it's such a powerful message. And I think, you know, the reason why athletes don't believe that because they hear the word balance and they're like, yeah, whatever. Right. They, Cause they don't, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, yep. <laughs> They're like, no, but what's going to make me get to the top of my, my, my mountain that I want to climb or whatever it is. You're like, oh, it's actually balanced. It's, it is that baseline. So we definitely appreciate that response.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, there is no magic pill um with something that you know from I ended up training at Jim Jones for a little bit and they had these great posters that um was just <laughs> that was it. There is no magic pill. Yeah, like yeah. it comes <laughs> down to like hard work and and focusing on all the different pieces, some of them to varying degrees that could impact your performance, um, you know, including recovery, including sleep, e- you know, making sure you're eating enough calories. like it's that boring stuff
2: that Mm -hmm. is
1: really going to be the stuff that matters the most.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Consistency is is definitely part of that for sure. Well, we are just so appreciative of you joining us once again and talking about a sport um, that you love and so passionate about. And hopefully our listeners can learn a little bit about that as we have in this discussion. But yeah, we just we're so thankful for you spending the time and Uh, We just love what you're doing in in the field and in your current job, but also, you know, kind of splashing us with that information about jujitsu and about the sports that I just don't feel are really well known at this point um, because they're not, you know, one of the top three or top five or whatever that's usually coming off of our our tongue. So super, super appreciative. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast once again. And what are you doing the rest of the day?
1: I jumped into work, going to go train jujitsu a little bit. Um, all right. Just, you know, regular stuff that I have to do for gnarly, but then being a mom and and figuring out how to fit training into all of that.
2: I love it. Is there a cup Amazing. of coffee in your hand to accompany all that?
0: It's
1: done. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Okay. Oh, no.
2: Oh, You're no. ready. That You're was ready. my second oh. one.
1: Now I'm done.
2: You're ready okay. for the day, Okay. I uh-huh. two, you know, we've heard of one and done. It's, it's really two and done. So that's, that's done. A good <laughs> exactly. yeah. Uh-huh. The well, thank you so more. much. Yeah. Thank you so uh-huh. much. Once again, listeners, thank you for tuning in this episode. Hopefully it was extremely stimulating and we will catch you on our next episode. Thanks for having me guys. We hope
0: you enjoyed that conversation with Shannon O'Grady. I learned so much about jujitsu and we want to know if you are now inspired to tackle the sport, if you were not too familiar with it prior, or if you're already experienced in jiu-jitsu and you tuned into this pod episode, what did you take away? Drop us a note over at hello at insidesportsnutrition.com and you can also include any other questions related to sports nutrition. We queue those up for a future Ask Us Anything episode and we'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bob and I are chatting about weight loss, dieting, body composition. It's such a hot topic around this time of the year, and we just wanted to share a few thoughts and perspectives. So, that is coming your way next week. We would love your support in promoting this podcast, especially if you are finding the information beneficial. Real life strategies are useful to you in your quest for improving health and athletic performance. Visit your pod platform, especially Spotify or Apple Pods, and hit the uh, five-star rating. That helps us grow and share our content with other listeners around the world. And we really do appreciate that. If you'd like more information about nutrition coaching, physiological testing, the group programs that both Bob and I offer, you can visit Bob's website, energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G performance.com, or myself and my team over at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.